Blog Talk Radio.
hold my mic. Peace to the God. Uh, like you to another episode of the Foundation here on Hot Frequency Radio Network. Choppy. Hold on. Hold on. I love the listeners. <clears throat> Hope this is better. This is better? All right, sorry about that. I would like to welcome you to another episode of The Foundation here on High Frequency Radio Network. I'm your host, So L, and it is a pleasure. The Foundation, where we understand incorrect information incorrectly applied can get you hurt. Correct information incorrectly applied can get you hurt. So we're looking to correctly apply that correct information, man. Like I said, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome you here to the foundation. As always, I want to say all thanks, honors, and praises due to the creator and the ancestors. But without them, we definitely would not be here. I want to say peace, big up, salute to my big brother, Yusuf L. High Frequency Radio Network creator extraordinaire. That's the big brother. I want to welcome you to welcome to the foundation.com. You can sign up for the email list, check out the PDF section, find all the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can make a donation. You can also book a consultation all at the same spot. Welcome to the foundation.com. You know, we hope you know, uh, you know, you want to start a business. You want to make sure all your paperwork is in order. You know, LLC, you want properly classified. You got questions on EINs, you got questions on, you know, operating agreements, stuff like that. We're going to, you know, we're going to start beef, beefing up the services and offerings here at the foundation. So be look on the lookout for that. I want to say peace to all the listeners. I want to say peace to all the live listeners, all the live callers, all the live internet listeners, as well as all the archive listeners. Big peace to all the archive listeners. Real speak. All the podcast listeners. As well as any MP3 listeners, you know, those who share, I want to say peace to anyone by any medium in which you are checking out this show. Absolutely. I want to say peace to all the trustees in the private, you know, salute and all those investing in their private education, you know, those in trustee training. I also want to say peace to all those I've done business with in the future, in the past, in the present. <laughs> anyone who sent the well wishes or an email or a current event. And, uh, you know, anyone who's otherwise added to the foundation. Definitely, definitely want to say peace to them. And I want to say peace to you. I'm speaking kind of fast because I got really uh, good feedback with that, you know, the public lockdown, the economics of slavery. So we're doing a part two. I see I kind of hit a nerve with the education and so on and so forth. So I'm going to go a little deeper in that on this episode and see how, how, deep of a nerve we can strike here when it comes to you know the fact that we are ultimately slaves man let's just be honest man I don't care you got high paying slaves you got low paid slaves you know the house negro and you got the field negro and if you look at this stuff you can really see it and I don't care what color you are man you got a social security number I don't know you a field negro or a house negro I don't care how that makes you feel so you know with that being said I do want to get into the show, but I want to jump onto these current events, man, because 
a lot has happened in one week. Just one week. So, with that being said, man, which one do I start? Now, first of all, having connectivity issues, you know, with the internet. So, live and direct, just for y'all, I actually went to the printer. I went old school and printed off all these current events. So we ain't got no problems or technical difficulties. You know what I'm saying? I don't worry about the boo-hoo. I chugga chugga choo-hoo. We figure out how we going to do this. First and foremost, we got the Fed. Uh, Fed's job gets more complex as the Fed funds rate moves out of bounds. Not, a lot of people, you know, may, may have thought that I would have started off with a different article because we know what happened today. Most of you, maybe you do. But, you know, first, I want to touch on this. This is uh, Reuters. Um, stress in U.S. money markets loomed over Federal Reserve policy meeting today with new data showing that the central bank's target interest rate had drifted outside the level set by the central bank for the first time since 2007 and 2009. All right. The move came even as the New York Fed intervened in markets to keep the federal funds rate in line and as officials met to discuss a likely quarter of a point interest cut, rate cut. Data released today showed the effective Fed's fund rate rose to 2.3% on Tuesday outside of the range of 2% to 2.25%. Please pay attention to what I just read. You know, in my, in my opinion, my humble opinion is more important than them raising the interest rate. This right here, they have a they have a target for interest rates, and the Fed has always shot for two percent, two point two five, so two percent to two and a quarter percent. And what they're releasing today, and they released this right before the other news, is that um, the Fed funds rate has moved out of bounds for the first time since the financial crisis. Now we got yield curve inversions for the first time. We got a lot of bond. The bond market is melting down. The equity market is melting. All types of stuff is popping. And then now we have all these other indicators saying that it's not looking real good. Um, I'm just going to leave that there. Uh, it's Fed's funds rate um, gets more complex as the, the you know it moved out of bounds, yo. So it's higher inflation than what they were saying, and they put the you know, and then they're gonna re, they're probably gonna revise the numbers in a couple you know in a couple months, three months time usually. Hold on, the meeting already presented the Fed with a conflicting mix of economic data and steady pressure from President Donald Trump to deep interest rate cuts, but the outbreak of a financial tension put a new set. Of issues in play prompting the New York Fed Tuesday and Wednesday to pump up to $150 billion in U.S. money market after the cost of securing overnight repurchase agreements spiked. That's that's another thing I wanted to say. They're already injecting cash, quantity easing. They're popping it off. And they're, we knew that. Or maybe we didn't. I knew that. A lot of us knew that. But they're admitting to it. Those agreements are a key feature of U.S. financial markets and their cost to key parameter of whether short-term markets are functioning well. While the rise in repo rates was attributed to seasonal cash flow issues and other more technical factors, the episode was reminiscent of the market strains that prefigured the financial crisis a decade ago. Mm. So, you know, I, I don't know. I can take that how you want. All I'm seeing is all types of stuff. Moving forward, Reuters, 
Fed cuts rates on a seven and three vote gives mixed signals on the next move. So they cut the rates, y'all. Central bank also widened the gap between the interest it pays banks on excess reserves and the top of its policy range. The step taken to smooth out problems in money markets and prompted a market intervention by the New York Fed this week in lowering the benchmark made benchmark rate, excuse me, overnight lending rate to a range of 1.75% to 2% on a 7 to 3 vote the Fed's policy setting committee nodded to ongoing global risks and weakened business investment and exports so the US economy continues to grow at a moderate rate i mean come on man there it is the labor market remains strong the fed said in its policy statement that it was cutting rates in light of the implications of global developments for the economic outlook as well as muted muted inflation pressures all right did y'all y'all hear that muted muted inflation pressures i don't think it's muted when it steps out when the, when their fund rate steps out of range i don't think that's a muted pressure i could be tripping i could be uneducated because i was you know educated by the public system the public school system you know and you know who knows man you know those people you know, hey. so you know i might be just just out of my mind but with continued growth and strong hiring the most likely outcomes the fed never nevertheless cited uncertainties about the outlook and pledged to, quote, act as appropriate, end quote, to sustain the expansion. U.S. stocks lower ahead of the statement dropped further, and Treasury yields ticked up from their lows on the day. The dollar gained ground against the euro. Another rate cut from the Fed to try to shield the U.S. economy from global headwinds. This is Joe Mambimo. Whoa, whoa. Namimbo. Manimbo, my bad, senior market analyst at Western Union Business Solutions in Washington. Today's move was more of a hawkish easing in that the Fed's median forecast for rates suggested no more cuts this year, while some officials dissented. So, you know, you got people in the Fed, you know, 7-3, so obviously they were were voted a certain way. They said, you know, it's good hiring. The job market is, you know, strong. and You know, the economy is growing at a moderate pace. And, you know, we're just cutting rates because, you know, we got potential headwinds coming in with regards to, you know, the economic, you know, downturn of the, you know, the entire global economy as well as, you know, the the woes, worries, and concerns regarding this trade war and currency war between the United States and China. And everything is fine. Don't worry about it. But everything's fine. We're, we're, we're good. We're good. Meantime, Reuters same website with the same with the same same spot where I got the last uh, the last current event Wall Street sinks after Fed gives mixed signals on the next move here we go with continued economic growth and strong hiring the most likely outcomes the Fed nevertheless cited uncertainties about the outlook in place to act appropriate to sustain the expansion alright hmm. economic growth yo it's, it's so great then we check this out, Reuters. U.S. consumers show growing signs of debt distress. Most U.S. borrowers remain in good shape, but pockets of distress are emerging, especially in farm sector, in the farm sector as a result of tariffs and among a minority of consumers struggling despite healthy employment and wage growth. Oh, it's just a, it's a minority of consumers that are struggling, and then farmers, that's it. 
But we got, other than that, everything's good. The, the proper, I'm sorry, the proportion of commercial bank loans and leases 30 days or more past due at the end of the second quarter dropped to its lowest since at least 1985 when current records began according, I'm sorry, to data from the Federal Reserve. The percentage of all bank loans and leases in arrears was just 1.5% at the end of June, down from 1.64%. Residential real estate loans in arrears fell to 2.59% and 3.2% a year earlier and the lowest since the second quarter. But here's all the stuff to make you feel good, basically. I'm just going to read it. But in other areas, there were signs of problems emerging that should concern lenders and policymakers. The finances of U.S. farms continued to deteriorate with 2.32% of all farmland loans in arrears at the end of June, up from 2.15% a year earlier and the highest share since 2013. I don't know. What does that matter to us? We don't eat corn or kale or lettuce. I mean, what do we need farms for? Why do we care if they're struggling and their, you know, their loans are in arrears? Who cares? Uh, the other troubling trend was the increasing delinquency rates for credit cards and other consumer loans, which have been gently but consistently rising since 2015. Consumer delinquencies are still low compared with rates that have prevailed over the past 25 years, giving some comfort to bankers. Of course, we're in the longest economic expansion in the history, so you know why wouldn't it be low compared to you know other numbers over 25 years? And that's how they be trying to, man. That's some high-level finesse right there. Woo! These news people, man. Mm-mm-mm. Um, but arrears are rising despite the lowest unemployment rate since the 1960s and benchmark interest rates not far above their post-crisis lows. The gradual increase in arrears suggests consumers may not have the capacity to take on much more debt without running into trouble. Commercial banks charged off 3.74% of all credit card loans against their reserves at a seasonally adjusted annual rate. Always watch those numbers seasonally adjusted um, in the second quarter, the fastest rate of bad debt write downs since 2012. In the last year, the U S economy has become increasingly reliant on consumer spending as the trade war and heightened uncertainty have hit business investment. The rising trend in consumer arrears suggests that may um, suggest that may not be sustainable for more, for much longer as a growing number of borrowers struggle to meet payments. Uh, too bad. But, every, hey, everything's fine, and we got the highest unemployment. And, I mean, I mean, there's lowest unemployment, and don't worry about it. Meanwhile, Associated Press, a slowdown in U.S. business formation poses a risk to economy. Washington, Associated Press, despite a decade-plus of economic growth, Americans have slowed the pace at which they're forming new companies, a trend that risks further widening the gap between the most affluent and everyone else. And everyone else excuse me. The longest expansion on record, which began in mid-2009, has failed to restore entrepreneurship to its pre-recession level, according to a Census Bureau report posed, I'm sorry, based on tax filings. Bang. Between 2007 and the, <clears throat> and the first half of 2019, Applications to form businesses that would likely hire workers fell 16%, though the pace of applications picked up somewhat after 2012. It dipped again this year despite President Donald Trump's assertion that his tax cuts and the regulatory drive would benefit smaller companies 
and their workers. Applications are down 2.6% uh, so far this year compared with the same period last year. Business formation has long been one of the primary ways in which Americans have built wealth. When fewer new companies are established, fewer Americans tend to prosper over time. In addition, smaller companies account for roughly 85% of all hiring. Dang, 85%, bet you didn't know that. Making them an entry point for most workers into the workforce. Even with the unemployment rate at near record low, a decline in the creation of new companies means there are fewer companies competing for workers, a trend that generally slows pay growth. The pace of pay growth has stalled for the past five months, even as hiring has remained healthy. What you see is reduced social and economic mobility. You know what that means? Reduced social and economic mobility. This is Steve Strongen, head of global investment research at Goldman Sachs. It means that most of the growth is occurring in the corporate sphere, which, keep, which keeps wage growth down and improves profits. I know what that means. Smaller companies and startups were generally cautious about expanding as they emerged from the Great Recession, in many cases choosing not to hire at all. The 2008 financial crisis delivered a warning to many would-be entrepreneurs that scaling back their ambitions might help them survive another recession. People became a lot more risk-averse after the Great Recession because so many people were hurt. This is Nicholas Johnson, who founded Sukasa, a chain of four furniture stores based in Baltimore. He employs 30 workers. Johnson started Sukasa about 20 years ago, emerging from the recession. He kept his staffing levels low to reduce his costs, still that meant having to pay well above the minimum wage to attract to attract and retain workers who were specialized in home decor. Goldman Sachs said last Thursday it's releasing a survey of business owners who took part in this 10,000 small business program, which has provided management training to several thousand small companies since 2010. The survey concluded that entrepreneurs typically struggle to find qualified workers and to navigate complex regulations. Both factors tend to slow the formation of new companies. It really does. It really does. And with the, with the with, you know, with the rates dropping, I mean, that could be, you know, that could be a potential issue. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I just, I just, be, I just, be, I just be reading news articles, man. What do I know? Uh, this is on Industry Week. I didn't see this anywhere else. U.S. companies blame trade for 10,488 job cuts in August. This up 37.7% from July which was 38,845. I'm sorry, 3,800. I got I must have got that wrong. It was the highest August total since 2009. Uh, more than 10,000 Americans lost their jobs in August because of trade pressures, and this is only because of trade pressures. According to a new figure that provides a window into the US tariff policy, and how it's affecting the labor market. According to a monthly report from, from staffing firm Challenger Gray and Christmas, companies that announced plans to el- eliminate 10,488 positions because of trade difficulties. That's on Industry Week. Y'all can check that out. I went actually to um, 
Coresight researched their their website and got their weekly U.S. and U.K. store openings and closures tracker 2019 for week 37. Um, this is Fred Files uh, for bankruptcy and plans to close all stores. So that's Fred's. Uh, in the U.S. year-to-date announced closures have already exceeded the total recorded for the full year of 2018. I'm going to read that again. This is what they said. In the U.S., year-to-date announced closures have already exceeded the total recorded for the full year of 2018. Corsite Research estimates announced U.S. store closures could reach 12,000 by the end of 2019. So far this year's U.S. retailers have announced 8,558 store closures and 3,446 store openings. This compares to 5,844 closures and 3,258 openings for the full year in 2018. Damn. That's crazy. I'm not really going to get too much. Y'all can check Coresight, C-O-R-E-S-I-G-H-T. Check them out. It's one of the spots where I get my information. I mean, I, you know, hey, hey, I just, you know, I get try to get it from as many sources as you can and then compare and contrast back and forth. That's what I recommend. Uh, moving forward. Forever 21 reportedly set to close at least 100 stores in bankruptcy. This is USA Today. Forever 21 reportedly could close more than 100 stores in bankruptcy as the fashion retailer grapples with expensive leases and declining mall traffic. The company is planning to shut down at least 100 locations as part of a restructuring plan. Bloomberg reported last Friday. The retailer did not immediately respond to requests seeking comment. So, you know, y'all know Sears went down in these malls, right? A lot of, a lot of these malls lost and I mean, there's a lot of malls, man. But you know, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that need, you know, jobs, need employment. You know what I'm saying? And the system, the way it's set up, is it's crazy. And uh, yeah, we're gonna get into that when we get into, the, you know, to the show. But you know, losing these large department stores in these malls are detrimental because these are the stores that really create all the traffic. You know what I mean? And without this traffic. For these large stores, you know, there's not, not really as many people walking through the mall in the first place. So, you know, they're not, you know, happen to walk by a store like Forever 21, see, you know, a $22, you know, skimpy blouse or, you know, $50 pair of pants or jeans or I don't know what they sold in that spot, man. I'm saying I'm just, I'm just guessing. It could have been earrings. I, you know, I'm pretty sure it was like clothes or something. Anyways, man, it's just basically it's just less traffic. Um, with with more than 800 stores, Forever 21 is one of the largest specialty apparel, yeah, okay, it's apparel, retailers in the country. The family-owned company stores average 38,000 square feet, making it smaller than the average department store, but larger than many of its apparel competitors. The company may file for bankruptcy protection in a bid to revamp its operations and reemerge as a stronger company. Forever 21 on Wednesday denied that it planned to file for bankruptcy on Sunday after the Wall Street Journal reported that it would do so as early as Sunday. Bankruptcy typically enables retailers to close stores cheaply 
by escaping costly leases. Um, These stores are closing locations in 2019. We got GameStop. We got Sears. We got, uh, what else we got? What else we got? Barney's Department Store. Um, GNC is closing more stores, and many mall stores are expected to be targeted. All Jamboree stores closed in spring 2019, but the chain's rival, the Children's Place, purchased the brand. Pier 1 Imports could close up to 145 stores. Um, Charlotte Roof stores closed in April, hundreds of them. But a new owner is making a comeback and opening new stores. Sears closed its last El Paso Kmart at 655 Sunland Avenue. I'm sorry, Sunland Park Drive. Early 2018, Bath and Body Works uh, is closed in many stores in 2019. Dress Barn is closing stores. Quail Creek Crossing is closing stores. Party City closing stores. Fred's closing stores. Uh, J.C. Pony, I mean J.C. Pony, <laughs> J.C. Penny's closing stores. Macy's are closing stores. Gaps closing stores. Payless closed all the stores. Lowe's is closing stores. Shopco is closing stores. Anderson Lifeway Christian stores is closing. Bed Bath and Beyond is closing mass stores. <laughs> I mean, I'm not laughing. I'm just, I'm laughing at how I pronounce that. You know, it's going down, man. We got the retail apocalypse continuing. Um, and you know, I think they're lying to us with the numbers. And you know, they don't want, they don't want people to panic, man. Because when people start panicking, they lose control. They're trying to, you know, get, they're trying to do every single dance they can <clears throat> before they effectively lose what they view as pretty much 100% control. All right, I got a couple more, man, and let's jump in this. Trucking jobs dropped by thousands in August as industry battles challenges. The trucking industry has been battling challenging circumstances so far in 2019, which includes the loss of thousands of positions in August. According to data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the industry lost 4,500 jobs between July and August. Non-farm payrolls in the sector came out to a seasonally adjusted 1,516,700. As previously reported, trucking companies have been shuttering at a fast clip so far this year. Donald Broughton, principal and managing partner of data firm Broughton Capital, told Fox Business that in the first half of 2019, 640 trucking companies failed. That means more than 20,000 trucks have been pulled off the road. In 2018, 310 companies failed. So, as previously reported, the closures have left about 2,659 drivers without jobs. This has to do with the spot market. American Trucking Association Chief Economist Bob Costello told Fox Business, those fleets that are primarily in the spot market are facing volumes that are down nearly 50% and rates that are down nearly 20%. In July, the cash truckload line haul index, which measures per mile truckload rates, was essentially flat. I'm sorry, essentially flat. <laughs> After 27 months of year-over-year increases, trade tariffs, as well as slowdowns in a variety of markets, including the housing and auto markets, contributed to the drop. 
Broughton said. Coupled with the fact these smaller fleets boosted driver pay last year and the fact of a severe driver shortage, it is easy to see how some of them are upside down, Costello added. According to the American Trucking Association, the industry might find itself short more than 100,000 drivers in five years and 160,000 by 2028 just to replace retiring drivers and keep up with economic growth. The group predicts the industry will need to hire an average $110,000 uh, I'm sorry, 110,000 workers per year, or go autonomous. Among the big companies that have failed in 2019, or go autonomous. They said all those numbers, and then just quickly, just simply was like, or go autonomous, man. Woo, man. Among the big companies that have failed in 2019 is New England Motor Freight, which employed more than 1,400 drivers. HBH Transportation, Falcon Transport, and LME have all shuttered operations this year as well. The contract freight market is also experiencing softness, Costello added, though not near what is occurring in the spot market. Broughton previously told um, Fox that he expects pricing to remain a problem for the industry for another six to nine months, which means more companies are likely to fail and jobs may continue to be lost. Main, oh, main, oh, main. Mm. All right, last but not least, man. Apple um, spars with the EU as $14 billion in Irish taxes um, are under dispute and drags on. Apple accused the European Commission of misunderstanding its business on day two of the iPhone maker's appeal against a $14 billion tax order in a dispute that is key to the EU's drive to collect more taxes, but which could also run for years. All right. Maybe you might be like, okay, why are you talking about this? He don't usually talk about taxes. I don't. I avoid taxes because I'm not a tax attorney. I don't give legal advice. And I don't give tax advice. But I read this article and I thought, man, there was, there's two small little lefts, left jabs of information in this article that I want to point out to y'all. First is that Apple accused the European Commission of misunderstanding its business. The mis- Okay, so how you gonna, how is an entire European Union Commission, which is going to be made up of very, very learned individuals within business and banking and finance, they're on a commission as far as I'm concerned, you know what I'm saying? How is an entire commission going to misunderstand its business? All right, check this out. Uh, Let me just jump through this. The case centers on tax rulings granted by Ireland to two Apple businesses in the country, Apple Sales International and Apple Operations Europe. The rulings reduced Apple's tax burden for more than two decades to as low as 0.005% in 2014. This is according to the commission. Although Apple disputes this, the commission ordered the U.S. company in 2016 to pay 13 billion um, euros, which is 14.4 billion dollars in United States currency, of taxes. Um, it said we're owed to Ireland, but Apple and Ireland, whose economy benefits from hosting a number of multinational firms, are appealing against the decision at Europe's General Court, its second highest. Okay, so check this out. The Europe, there's a European Commission that is saying that Apple owes Ireland, but Apple is saying, no, we don't, and Ireland is saying, no, they don't, all right? 
That's not even the other left jab. Um, central to the dispute is the importance of the Irish businesses, with Apple lawyer, lawyer Daniel Beard arguing Wednesday they were not as significant as the commission has asserted. All right? This dude, Daniel, this dude worked for Apple. This is a cold attorney, man. I'm just going to let you know. Quote, yes, Apple CEO Tim Cook said there were decisions taken in Ireland, but not strategic decisions, end quote. He said, referring to Cook's testimony at a U.S. Senate hearing in 2013, which formed a key element of the commission's case. Apple did not do, I'm sorry, Apple did not do a special Irish tax deal in return for creating jobs, Beard added. Quote, the commission went out of its way to tell a fairy story about supposed benefits to employment. It has no evidence. It is wrong. There was no sense of a special deal. Ireland properly and correctly taxed the Irish branches. There was no derogation from the normal rules. This is what he said in his closing argument. I'm going to repeat again. There was no sense of a special deal. Ireland properly and correctly taxed the Irish, quote, branches. Ireland's lawyer, Paul Gallagher, said the EU executive failed, had failed to prove its case and tarnished the country's reputation. This is the lawyer for the entire country of Ireland. I find this stuff fascinating, man. They haven't shown one company which has been treated less favorably than Apple. This is Ireland's reputation, which has been so severely criticized. I feel like this is like, yo, smoke. This is smoke and some mirrors right here. Commission lawyer Paul John Lowenthal rejected criticism that the EU executive had not taken up Apple's offer to visit its operation in Cork, Ireland, saying this was not necessary. He said, what would a site visit accomplish? The case is about Apple's Irish tax deal and has nothing to do with mismatch between tax regimes in different countries or U.S. deferred tax rules, commission lawyer Richard Lyall said in closing remarks. This is he talking about this is the commission do. Ireland ended the tax rulings when Apple's two Irish units changed their structures in 2015. All right? <laughs> the stakes are high, blah, 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 blah. Uh, 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 European Commission Commissioner uh, Margaret Vestager spearheaded the European Union's drive against tax avoidance by multinationals issued similar tax recovery orders to Amazon and Starbucks, among others, and has other companies in her sight. All right? This is over structure, y'all. Straight up, I'm telling you. Ireland ended the tax rulings. Why did Ireland... If Ireland is arguing on um, behalf of Apple, saying no, no, but they ended the tax rulings in 2015, why did they do that? Because they no longer needed the tax rulings, obviously. And why did they no longer need the tax ruling? Because Apple's two Irish units changed their structure in 2015. I wonder what structure they changed those units to. I really, I really wonder. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really it's very interesting to me. And that's it for current events. I know that was a lot. I'm sorry, but I got a lot to get to um, with this um, with this episode. Uh, this is part two of the public lockdown and the economics of slavery. Straight up. You don't like it? Go to sleep, man, because this, this stuff is real. Lay down. Go to sleep. Education must also train for quick, resolute, and effective thinking. To think incisively and to think for oneself is very difficult. What? We are prone to let our mental life become invaded by lesions 
of half-truths, prejudices, and propaganda. At this point, I often wonder whether education is fulfilling its purpose. A great majority of the so-called educated people do not think logically or scientifically. Even the press, the classroom, the platform, and the pulpit in many instances do not give us the objective and unbiased truths. To save man from the moras of propaganda, in my opinion, is one of the chief aims of education. Education must enable one to sift and weigh evidence to discern the true from the false, the real from the unreal, and the facts from the fiction. The function of education, therefore, is to teach one to think intensively and to think critically. But education, which stops with efficiency, may prove the greatest menace to society. The most dangerous criminal may be the man gifted with reason, but with no morals. This is Martin Luther King. In our dreams, people yield themselves with perfect docility to our molding hands. The present education conventions of intellectual and character education fade from their mind and unhampered by tradition we work our own goodwill upon a grateful and responsive folk. We shall not try to make these people our, or any of their children into men of learning or philosophers or men of science. No, we have not to raise up from them authors, educators, poets, or men of letters, great artists, painters, musicians, nor lawyers, no doctors, statesmen, politicians, creatures of whom we have ample supply. The task is simple. We will organize children and teach them in a perfect way the things their fathers and mothers are doing in an imperfect way. This is the first mission statement of the J.D. Rockefeller Endowed General Education Board in 1906. In the dawn of the 20th century, a revolutionary new industrialized society was in the process of forming. Only a very few men began to make vast fortunes in the fields of coal, steam, oil, transportation, and finance as man's ability to mass harvest nature's resources through advancing technological engineering created overnight oligarchists. No one amassed more wealth more quickly than J.D. Rockefeller. Through his oil interest in early 1900s, he amassed the equivalent of $663 billion in today's money. Other emergent industrialists created great wealth for themselves with legendary names like J.P. Morgan, Carnegie, Mellon, and Guggenheim, Vanderbilt, Peabody, and Ford. Today, we know them by the foundations they created, totaling over $550 billion in today's dollars, and by their vast corporate holdings and businesses, such as Chase Bank, Ford Motor Company, J.P. Morgan Bank, Rockefeller Center, Carnegie Hall, and etc. With their incredible sudden wealth also came enormous tax bills. Their solution was to create for themselves, with the help of bought politicians, tax-exempt nonprofit organizations or NGOs. In 1900, there were 21 
corporate NGOs, and by 1990, some 50,000 had spawned. Through the creation of NGOs, not only could they shelter wealth, but were also able to develop new science called scientific social engineering to influence federal, state, and local politicians and the public at large for their own wishes, desires, and needs. Through newly created social propaganda campaigns created by the likes of Walter Littman and Edward Bernays, the fathers of marketing and propaganda respectively, they were able to regularly sell the public at will on the idea that their NGOs were solely philanthropic and for the good of all. In his book, PR, A Social History of Spin, Stuart Ewan writes, quote, novel strategies of social management and conviction that a technical elite might be able to engineer social order were becoming attractive. Accompanying, accompanying a democratic current of social analysis that sought to educate the public at large, another more um, sinister potentially tradition of social scientific thought was emerging, one that saw the study of society as a tool by which a technocratic elite could help serve the interests of vested power. These, quote, titans of inter- industry, as the PR men dubbed them, were at the top of the planned Uh, I'm sorry, at the top and planned to stay at the top for generations to come. Their strategy was to keep the working middle class from ever rising to power through controlling of public education systems in the United States. When you are at the top, you spend a lot of time and money making sure you stay at the top. And the last thing that these um, titans of industry would allow is for the uprising of the middle class into their hierarchy. With such large controlling wealth through their foundations came a resilient web of many useful friends in the politically um, charged arena and in business. With connections in banking, Wall Street, law firms, media executives, um, and proprietors, along with behind-the-scenes PR firms, they could ensure any type of publicity and financial backing they wished, including the masking of their true agendas. Through the uh, largest of their foundations, the Rockefellers, Carnegie, Mellon, Vanderbilt, Morgan, and Guggenheim Foundations colluded to begin the process of designing our current public education system. The ability to deal with people is as purchasable a commodity as sugar or coffee, and I will pay more for that ability than for any other under the sun. This is John D. Rockefeller. In 1905, J.D. Rockefeller kickstarted the creation of the General Education Board. Rockefeller alone, with $1,905, or with money from 1905, initially gifted in 1905 $1 million, then increased it to $10 million in 1907. Later, a further sum of $32 million, and through subsequent decades, granted some $7.5 billion to the General Education Board with significant money by significant influence and loyalty. In 1913, the 62nd Congress created a commission to investigate the role of these newly created NGOs or private foundations. The commission, after a year of, test, a year of testimony, concluded, quote, the domination of men in whose hands the final control 
of a large part of American industry rests is not only limited to their employees, but is being rapidly extended to control the education and social services of the nation. This is Congress saying this. The 62nd Congress in 1913, fam. Y'all thought y'all liked this a couple weeks ago? I was just scratching the surface, family. The giant foundation exercises enormous power through direct use of its funds, free of any statutory entanglements, so that they can be directed precisely to the levers of a situation. This power, however, is substantially increased by building collateral alliances which insulate it from criticism and scrutiny. I'm going to repeat that. The giant foundation exercises enormous power through direct use of its funds, free of any statutory entanglements. How are these men in 1913 operating entities Free of any statutory entanglements. Do you know that law? Were you ever taught that law? What law are they using if there's not statutory law? I'm trying to tell you, man. When I tell you that, when I tell you that the foundation is trust in banking, and when I tell you trust has been here for hundreds, if not thousands of years, I'm not playing with y'all. The Guggenheim Foundation agreed to award fellowships to historians recommended by the Carnegie Endowment. Gradually through the 1920s, they assembled a group of 20 promising young academics and took them to London. There, they briefed them on what was expected of them when they became professors of American history. That 20 were the nucleus of what was eventually to become the American Historical Association. Like, I ain't figured, man, I'm out, man. The, the Guggenheim Foundation also endowed the American Historical Association with $400,000 at that time, which was in 19... When was that? In the 1920s. By 1950, the Rockefeller Foundation endowed Columbia Teachers College in New York City, formerly named the Russell's Teachers College, produced one-third of the presidents of teacher training institution. I'm sorry, institutions, one-fifth of all American public school teachers, and one-quarter of all superintendents. J.D. Rockefeller and family additionally funded and founded the University of Chicago. Did y'all know that? The Rockefeller University, which focused on offering only postgraduate and postdoctoral education. The Rockefeller Institute for Medical Research, John Hopkins, I'm sorry, Johns Hopkins School of Public Health, Harvard School of Public Health, as well as Rockefeller University Press. They also controlled and continued to maintain ownership control in school textbook companies and scholastic literature copyrights used in the public school systems, thus being able to direct the historical narrative used in schools through Guggenheim's American Historical Society. And what are the implications of these people being able to control the historical narrative? 
used in school. Additionally, through the use of political favors and influence, as well as the structuring of public educational taxes through property ownership, these few private foundations were able to mold educational policy and control the flow of funds to school districts and community colleges and at the federal levels. For more than a century, ideological extremists at either end of the political spectrum have seized upon well-publicized incidents such as my encounter with Castro to attack the Rockefeller family for the inordinate influence they claim we wield over American political and economic institutions. Some even believe we are part of a secret cabal working against the best interests of the United States, characterizing my family and me as internationalists and of conspiring with others around the world to build a more integrated global political and economic structure. One world, if you will. If that's the charge, I stand guilty and I am proud of it. This is David Rockefeller from his autobiography entitled Memoirs. This is pages 404 and page 405. You can check it out for your Delph. At the same time, as Henry Ford was developing the assembly line for mass quantity automobile production, J.D. Rockefeller was extracting and selling ever greater quantities of oil to be used in automobiles. It is a little-known fact, possibly due to the Rockefeller's influence as to our U.S. history, that the first Model A's and T's that came off the Ford assembly lines had a simple switch where the autos could run on either alcohol or gasoline. Did you know that? This was because at the time, in the early 1900s, the Americans were an agrarian society. With few gas stations across the country, Ford's cars allowed drivers to be able to get alcohol fuel from farms across the country. When um, J.D. Rockefeller could not convince Mr. Ford to produce his cars to run only on oil, he, along with Joseph Kennedy, who was JFK and RFK's father, manufactured the era of prohibition in the 1920s so that every new car would be forced to run on his oil, and he used his newly created PR firms to sell the country that prohibition was solely a social issue. Did y'all ever hear that? Prohibition was to get farms and people in the countries to stop producing alcohol so they couldn't put them in their cars so that they could get everybody hooked on and all the manufacturers using gasoline in cars and automobiles. Huh. That's interesting. In 1936, Rockefeller Standard Oil of California, Firestone Tires, General Motors, and Mack Trucks created their fictitious United Cities Motor Transport Company, which succeeded in buying up most electric trains in cities from Seattle to Philadelphia to Minneapolis to New York, so that everyone would then have to use personal automobiles automobiles for transportation. If If you want to check out what I'm saying, you can check out a, a, a documentary. It's called Taken for a Ride. They, they, they tore up the streetcars in my city. You know, I was, uh, they, they was redoing the streets, the surface streets downtown, and I saw tracks under the, under the asphalt. There used to be trains in my city, fam. And now they, they, they put trains back in the city. It's crazy. The power of the individual large foundation is enormous. Its various forms of patronage carry with the elements of thought control. 
it exerts immense influence on educator, educational processes, and educational institutions. It is capable of invisible coercion. It can materially predetermine the development of social and political concepts, academic opinion, thought leadership, and public opinion. The power to influence national policy is amplified tremendously when foundations act in concert. There is such a concentration of foundation power in the United States operating in education and social sciences with gigantic aggregate of capital, capital and income. This interlock has some of the characteristics of an inter- intellectual cartel. It operates in part through certain intermediary organizations supported by the foundations. It has ramifications in almost every phase of education. This is John Taylor Gatto, author of The Underground History of Education, and three times New York Teacher of the Year. The 1954 Special Congressional Committee investigated the interlocking web of tax-exempt foundations to see what impact their grants were having on the American people. The Reese Committee, as it became known, stumbled onto the fact that some of these foundations had embarked upon a gigantic project to rewrite American history and incorporate it into new school textbooks. Norman Dodd, the Reese Committee's research director, found in the archives of the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace the following remarkable statement of purpose. Quote, the only way to maintain control of a population was to obtain control of the education in the U.S. They realized this was prodigious, this was a prodigious task, so they approached the Rockefeller Foundation with the suggestion that they go in tandem so the portion of education which could be considered domestically oriented would be taken over by the Rockefeller Foundation and the portion which was oriented to international matters be taken over by the Carnegie Endowment. Dodd proceeded to show that the Ford Foundation, Rockefeller Foundation, and Carnegie Endowment were using funds excessively on projects at Columbia, Harvard, Chicago University, and the University of California in order to enable oligarchical collectivism. Dodd further stated the purported deterioration in scholarship and in the techniques of teaching, which lately has attracted the attention of the American public, has apparently been caused primarily by a premature effort to reduce our meager knowledge of social phenomena to the level of an applied science. Mr. Dodd's research staff had that discovered that in 1933 to 1936, a change took place which was so drastic as to constitute a revolution. The Reese Commission also indicated con- uh, conclusively that the responsibility for the economic welfare of the American people had been transferred heavily to the executive branch of the federal government, that a corresponding change in education had taken place from an impetuous outside the local community. I'm sorry, from an impetus outside the local community. So the responsibility for the economic welfare and education of the American people had transferred heavily to the executive branch of government, and at the same time, there was a change in the education that had taken place, and the cause of that change came outside the local community. That this, quote, revolution, end quote, had occurred without violence and with the full consent of an overwhelming majority of the electorate. Mr. Dodd stated that his this revolution could not have occurred peacefully or with the consent of the majority unless education in the United States had been prepared in advance to endorse it. According to Mr. Dodd, grants given to these foundations had been used for 
the training individuals and servicing agencies to render, render advice to the executive branch of the federal government, directing education in the United States toward an international viewpoint and discrediting the traditions to which it had been dedicated. You want to discredit the traditions to which the America had been dedicated. The educational system, uh, decreasing the dependency of education upon the resources of the local communities and freeing it from many of the natural safeguards inherent in this American tradition, changing both school and college curricula to the point where they sometimes denied the principles underlying the American way of life, financing experiments designed to determine the most effective means by which education could be pressed into service of a political nature. Mr. Dodd cited a book called The Turning of the Tides, which documented the literature from various tax-exempt foundations and organizations like UNESCO showing that they wished to install a centralized world government. The Reef Commission quickly ran into a buzzsaw of opposition from influential senators of American corporate life. Major national newspapers hurled scathing criticisms, which together with pressure from other potent political adversaries forced the committee to disband prematurely without action. Dang, the government can't even govern the government. I'm painting a picture. I hope you can, you know, see what I'm, you know, hey. Additionally, in 1951, Honorable John T. Wood of Idaho, House of Representatives, added that these, uh, I'm sorry, added these remarks in the congressional record on the report to the American people on UNESCO. This is the United Nations for Education, Science, and Cultural Organization. From the Congressional Record Proceedings and Debates of the 82nd Congress, first session on Thursday, October 18, 1951, quote, UNESCO's scheme to pervert public education appears in a series of nine volumes titled Toward Understanding, which presume to instruct kindergarten and elementary grade teachers in the fine art of preparing our youngsters for the day when their first loyalty will be to a world government, of which the United States will form but an administrative part. The program is quite specific. The teacher is to begin by eliminating any and all words, phrases, descriptions, pictures, maps, classroom material, and teaching methods of a sort, causing pupils to feel or express a particular love for or loyalty to the United States of America. Children exhibiting such prejudice as a result of prior home influence UNESCO calls it outgrowth of the narrow family spirit, are to be dealt an abundant measure of counter-propaganda at the earliest possible age. Booklet 5 of page 9 advises the teacher that, quote, the kindergarten or infant school has a significant part to play in the child's education. Not only can it correct many of the errors of home training, but it can also prepare the child for membership at about age seven, in a group of his own age and habits. The first of many such social identifications that he must achieve on his way to membership in the world society. Quote, schools were designed by Horace Mann and others to be instruments of scientific management of a mass population. The advent of compulsory education in the United States originated out of Prussia, which was within the area of modern Germany today. The Prussian monarchy 
monarchy, monarchy, divided the education system into three groups. Those who were to make policy, those who would assist the policy makers, the engineers, doctors, lawyers, and architects, and the rest who would be the common laborers. Using the basic philosophy prescribed in the duties of the state, combined with John Locke's view that children are a blank slate and lessons from Rosaw on how to write on the slate, Prussia established a three-tiered educational system that was considered scientific in nature. Work began in 1807, and the system was in place by 1819. An important component of the Prussian system was how it defined for the child what was to be learned, what was to be thought, how long to think about it, and when a child was to be allowed to think of something else. This is where the Pavlovian bell ringing each hour of class time comes from in our current school system. Check it out. You ever think about why, why they ring a bell at the end of each hour? They don't have to ring no bell, man. In 1814, Edward Everett was the first American to go to Prussia for a doctorate in philosophy or a PhD. He eventually became governor of Massachusetts. During the next 30 years or so, a lot of American dignitaries went to Germany to earn degrees. Degrees, honestly, so y'all know, are a German invention. Horace Mann, instrumental in the development of an educational system in, in America, was among them. Those who earned degrees in Germany came back to the United States and staffed all major universities. In 1850, Massachusetts and New York utilized Prussian uh, system of education, as well as promoted the concept that the state is the father of the children. Now, you understand why, you know, when women go on welfare, the father can't live in the house? Because the state is the father. Horseman's sister, Elizabeth Peabody, <clears throat> the Peabody Foundation, saw to it that after the Civil War, the Prussian system, um, that which was taught in the northern states, was integrated into the conquered southern states between 1865 and 1918. Most of the compulsory schooling laws designed to implement the system were passed by 1900. By 1900, all PhDs in the United States were trained in Prussia. This project also meant that one-room schoolhouses had to go, for it fostered independence. They were eventually wiped out. In 1890, Carnegie wrote a series of essays called The Gospel of Wrath, in which he claimed that the capitalistic free enterprise system was dead in the United States by um, the Carnegie, Rockefeller, and Morgans. It was about 1917 that the Great Red Scare was instituted in the U.S. in part to set up the reactionary movement intended to get the public to accept the idea of compulsory schooling, Prussian compulsory schooling. The implementation of the German educational nightmare or schooling system in the United States met some initial resistance. In Carnegie's hometown of Gary, Indiana, the system was implemented between 1910 and 1916, mostly through the efforts of William Wirt, the school superintendent. It involved no academic endeavor whatsoever. It worked so well in supplying willing workers for the steel mills that it was decided by Carnegie to bring the system to New York City. I'm going to tell y'all, when I tell y'all that the school system was created by the wealthy elite to feed human resources into their systems of industry that they created for the benefit of their private family estates. I'm not playing. I have done a vast number of research. I studied these rich people. For a while, I was trying to be like these rich people. And then when I figured out exactly what was going on, I was like, oh, hell no. I ain't falling for no banana in the tailpipe, fam. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, let me do that again. The implementation of the German educational school in the United States 
met with some resistance. In Carnegie's hometown of Gary, Indiana, the system was implemented between 1910 and 1916. It worked so well in supplying willing workers for the steel mills that it was decided by Carnegie to bring the system to New York City. In 1917, they initiated a program in New York in 12 schools with the objective of enlarging the program to encompass 100 schools and eventually all schools in New York. William worked came to supervise the transition. Unfortunately for Carnegie, the population of 12 schools was predominantly composed of Jewish immigrants who innately recognized what was being done and the nature of the new educational system. Three weeks of riots followed, and editorials in the New York Times were very critical of the plan. Over 200 Jewish school children were thrown in jail. The whole political structure of New York that had tried the scheme were then thrown out of the office during the next election. A book describing this scenario, The Great School Wars, was written by Diane Ravitch, R-A-V-I-T-C-H. Curiously, William Wirt was committed to an insane asylum around 1930 after making public speeches about his part in a large conspiracy to bring about a controlled state in the hands of a certain people. He died two years later. Hmm. Another great influence on how the public education would be directed was John Dewey, known as the father of the progressive education movement and a great influence with the powerful National Educational Association. I thought it was the Progressive Educational Association. I was wrong. It is the National Education Association. I don't know how I messed that up. Mr. Dewey's progressive model of active learning or pragmatism promoted a revolt against abstract learning and attempted to make education an effective tool for integrating culture and vocation. Dewey was responsible for developing a philosophical approach to education called experimentalism, which saw education as a basis for democracy. His goal was to turn public schools into indoctrination centers to develop a socialized population that could adapt to an egalitarian state operated by the intellectual elite. Thinking for Dewey was a collective phenomenon, disavowing the role of the individual mind in achieving technological and social progress. Dewey promoted the group rather than the teacher as the main source of social control in schools, denying the ideas of, of denying the ideas of universal principles. I'm sorry, of universal principles. Man, check this out. Denying the ideas of universal principles, natural law, and natural rights. Dewey emphasized social values and taught that life adjustment is more important than academic skills. In his book, The Great Technology, um, by um, Harold Rugg, elucidated the grand vision. A new public mind is to be created. How? Only by creating tens of millions of individual minds and welding them into a new social mind. Old stereotypes must be broken down, and new climates of opinion formed in the neighborhoods of America. Through the schools of the world, we shall disseminate a new conception of government, one that will embrace all activities of man, while one that will postulate the need of scientific control in the interest of all people. So they got a government embracing all activities of man. How you think, how you eat, what you what you eat, when you go to sleep, what time you wake up. The Rockefeller and Down Lincoln Experimental School at Columbia Teachers College was the testing ground 
for Harold Rugg's series of textbooks, which moved 5 million copies by 1940 and millions more after that. In these books, Mr. Rugg advanced this theory. Education must be used to condition the people to accept social change. The chief function of schools is to plan the future of society. Like many of his activities, over the three vital decades on the school front, the notions he had put forth in the great technology were eventually translated into practice in urban centers. He advocated that the major task of schools be seen as indoctrinating youth using social science as the core of the school's curriculum to bring about the desired climate of public opinion. Some attitudes Rugg advocated teaching were reconstruction of the national economic system to provide for central controls and an implantation of the attitude that educators as a group were vastly superior to the priesthood and to create swiftly a compact body of minority opinion for the scientific reconstruction of our social order. uh, Money for Rugg's six textbooks came from guests. Rockefeller Foundation grants to the Lincoln School. He was paid two salaries by the foundation, one as an educational psychologist for Lincoln, the other as a professor of education at Teachers College, in addition to salaries for secretarial and research services. The General Education Board provided funds equivalent to half a million dollars in 2000 um, purchasing power to produce three books, which were then distributed by the National Education Association. In 1960, in 1960 UNESCO uh, Convention Against Discrimination was signed in Paris. We've got about two minutes left in the broadcast. If you listen online, call in, man. I'm going to keep going. 424 You'll get cut off. This convention laid the groundwork for control of American education, both public and private, by UN agencies and agents disguised to halt discrimination and segregation. In 1960, Soviet education programs, foundations, curriculums, teachers' preparation was published under the auspices of U.S. Department of Health, Education, and Welfare. It was the blueprint for the U.S. school-to-work restructuring that would take place, and it would rely on the Pavlovian conditioned reflex theory developed by Dr. B.F. Skinner, the father of behavioral psychology. Charlotte Thomas Eiserbert, former senior policy advisor in the Office of Educational Research and Improvement in the U.S. Department of Education during the Reagan administration, recited in her excellent book, The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America, a speech Congressman John M. Ashbrook delivered before Congress on July 18, 1961, entitled The Myth of Federal Aid to Education Without Control. You can find it in the Congressional Records page uh, 
<clears throat> it recommends a review of teacher preparation, curriculum, and textbook. It calls for an implementation of international educational projects in cooperation with UNESCO in the United Nations and ministries of education abroad. Between the years of 1967 and 1974, teacher training was covertly revamped through these original foundations created in the early 1900s. 74 years later, they're banging out. They're still banging out, man, these foundations, working with other private foundations, for-profit global corporations, certain universities, state education departments, and the United States Department of Education. Three critical multi-volume documents were produced. They were called the Taximony of Educational Objectives, Designing Education for the Future, and the Behavioral Teacher Education Project. They totaled over 300, I'm sorry, over 3,000 pages, <clears throat> and there are three areas of focus. Number one, designing education for the future. They were the collusion with federal education department and presumably, presumably independent state agencies. They redefined education after the 19th century Germanic fashion. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Quote, as a means to achieve important economic and social goals for the national character. And I would hasten to add that none of these goals include the maximum development of your, of your son or daughter. State agencies would henceforth act as a federal enforcer ensuring compliance of local schools with federal directives. The document proclaimed, quote, each state education department must be an agent of change and proclaimed further, quote, change must be institutionalized, end quote. A doubt, I doubt if an account of this appeared in any newspaper in the state of Vermont or for that matter, any newspaper in the country. Education departments were, quote, to lose their identity as well as their authority in order to form a partnership with the federal government, end quote. Number two, the Behavioral Teacher Educational Project outlined specific teaching reforms to be forced on the country. Unwillingly, of course, after 1967, <clears throat> it also sets out in clear language the outlook and intent of its invisible creators. Nothing less than quoting again the impersonal manipulation through schooling of a future America in which few will be able to maintain control over their own opinions. An, Ameri an America in which, quote, each individual receives at birth a multi-purpose identification number which enables employers and other controllers to keep track of their Underlings, end quote. Sounds like a social security number to me. End quote. To expose them to the director's subliminal influence of the state education department and the federal department acting through those whenever necessary. And number three, taxonomy of educational objectives, which has since its publication spawned a number of descendants forms like mastery learning, quote, outcome-based education, and, quote, schoolwork business government economic projects. Dr. Bloom's compilation was a tool. Quote, a tool to classify the ways individuals are to act, think, or feel as a result of participating in some unit of instruction. End quote. 
I would be dubious if any parent in the U.S. would send their children to schools under these auspices if there were thinking people. In this fashion, children would learn proper attitudes and have their improper attitudes that they brought from home remediated. In all stages of the school manipulations, testing would be essential to locate the child's mind on an official continuum. In 1972, Dr. Chester M. Pierce, MD of Harvard University, wrote an article entitled Becoming Planetary Citizens, A Quest for Meaning. In November 1972, issue of Childhood Education excerpts, quote, creative altruism. In, pa- in the past four years, social science experimentation has shown that by age five, children already have a lot of political attitudes. Regardless of the economic or social background, almost every kindergartner has a tenacious loyalty to his country and to its leaders. This phenomenon is understandable in the psychology, in psychological terms of loyalty to a strong father figure and of the need for security. But a child can enter kindergarten with the same kind of loyalty to the earth as his homeland. <laughs> in 1980, quote, Schooling for Global Age, um, quote, was authored by James Becker. In the preface Mr. Becker's bo- of Mr. Becker's book, Dr. I'm sorry, Professor John Goodlad, who has been at the forefront of implementing a global education system with funding from tax-exempt foundations and federal grants, writes, quote, parents and the general public must be reached <clears throat> also. Otherwise, children and youth enrolled in globally-oriented programs may find themselves in conflict with values assumed in the home. And then the educational institution frequently comes under scrutiny and must pull back. When you walk into a school and you deal with the principal, from my personal experience, and you say that the curriculum or principles of my home override the principles or curriculum of the school, therefore I do not consent for this specific curriculum in this school with my child, do you know that they have to listen to you? That's why they don't want you doing that. In 2006, in an interview with Aaron Russo, who is the producer and director of movies like The Rose, Trading Places, and Wise Guys, relates in his documentary, Freedom to Fascism, how he was courted by the Rockefeller family when he ran for governor of Nevada in 1998. After a friendship developed... He was recruited to join the Council on Foreign Relations, a private nonprofit organization created by the Rockefellers in 1921. Carol Quigley, a professor of history at Georgetown University and favorite mentor of President Clinton, has stated the CFR is the American branch of a society originated in England and believes national boundaries should be obliterated and one world rule established. Other members of the CFR have included Presidents Hoover, Truman, Eisenhower, George, and G.W. Bush, Jimmy Carter, and Bill Clinton. Mr. Russo retells in his documentary the story, as told to him directly by Nick Rockefeller, that the feminist movement in the 1960s was manufactured so that women would have to enter the workforce and so that more taxes could be collected with women working, thus having to pay taxes. Additionally, children would then have to be put into daycare and preschools where indoctrination could begin at a much earlier age. The state could then be seen to the children as part of the family. Interestingly, it was also reported in an article in the Village Voice on May 21, 1979, that Ms. Steinman's MS magazine was funded by the Ford Foundation and the CIA, to which the article claims she also is a CIA agent. I don't know. That might be true or might not. 
1998, Rep. Bob Schaefer placed in the congressional record an 18-page letter that has become known as Mr. Mark Tucker's Dear Hillary Letter. Mr. Tucker is president of the National Center on Education and Economy, and in his letter, he lays out a plan to, number one, remold the entire American system into a seamless web that literally extends from cradle to grave. Number two, is the same for everyone and is the same system for everyone coordinated by a system of labor market boards at the local, state, and federal levels where curriculum and job matching will be handled by counselors accessing the integrated computer-based program. Mr. Tucker's ambitious plan was implemented in three laws passed by Congress and signed by President Clinton in 1994, the Goals 2000 Act, the School to Work Act, and the Reauthorized Elementary and Secondary Education Act. These laws established the following mechanism to restructure the public schools. Number one, bypass all elected officials on school boards and in state legislatures by making federal funds flow to the governor and his appointees on workforce development boards. Number two, use a computer database, aka a labor market information system, into which school personnel would scan all information about every school child and his or her family. Identified by the child's social security number, academic, medical, mental, psychological, behavioral uh, interrogations, um, and by interrogations by counselors, my bad. The computerized data would be available to the school, the government, and to future employers. Huh. Use, quote, national standards, end quote, and, quote, national testing, end quote, to cement national control of tests, assessments, school honors and rewards, financial aid, and certificate of initial mastery which is designed to replace high school diplomas, or GEDs. Designed on the German system, the Tucker Plan objectives are to, quote, train children in specific jobs to serve the workforce and the global economy instead of to educate them so that they can make their own life choices. We see the actions of our federal government continue along this path of taking over, stop it, of taking over duties of caring and managing children at younger and younger ages, a recently created private-public partnership with federal government called Zero to Three wants to reach out to children from cradle to three years of age. On its website, the organization describes itself as, quote, a national nonprofit organization that provides parents, professionals, and policymakers the knowledge and the know-how to nurture early development. Neuroscientists have documented that our earliest days, weeks, and months of life are a period of unparalleled growth when trillions of brain cell connections are made. Research and clinical experience also demonstrate that health and development are directly influenced by the quality of care and experiences a child has with his parents and other adults. We are creating the most meaningful reform of school education in a generation designed to fundamentally transform America's education system. Y'all know who said that? President Barack Obama. These products being rolled out globally and nationwide have been designed, written, and implemented by the largest technology companies in the world, such as Google, Apple, Cisco, Texas Instruments, McGraw-Hill, Scholastic, Pearson, Houghton, Mifflin, Horcourt, etc. Through newly created PPPs, just as Obamacare was directed and overseen by Ms. Liz Fowler, who is an executive VP at Warpoint Incorporated, the largest HMO in the country. The largest foundations are also involved with the technological transformation of the public schools globally, like the Behemoth Gates Foundation, Choice and the omnipresent Rockefeller Foundation, 
non-government organization lobby groups like the National Governors Association and the Common Core State Standards Organization also helped establish the curriculum standards for academic criteria and evaluation to the Common Core Initiative. The, the NGA and CCSSO, which is National Governors Association and the Common Core State Standards Organization, also enjoy sole copyrights to Common Core and retain legal rights to any changes to the Common Core material. The bill out of Common Core is breathtaking as business and it is being implemented by Core International. CI's technology staff and the security services are already being used in 47 to 50 states, as well as the Commonwealth of Great Britain, Great Britain, India, Indonesia, Afghanistan, Australia, Belgium, Canada, Chile, China, Germany, El Salvador, Kenya, Japan, Israel, and Mexico, and many other countries. Its own financial website states that its business plans are to be in every country with a global education plan that reaches children from the cradle to postgraduate school. In 1919, John Dewey, a professor at Columbia Teachers College, a Rockefeller heavily endowed institution, established An institution which philosophy stated that the bulk of the population is biologically childlike, requiring lifelong care. Dewey and other Columbia professors made it no secret that the objectives of the project were to use the educational system as a tool to accomplish political goals. In 1903, the General Education Board was created heavily endowed by Rockefeller. In 1964, the, it was reorganizing the Board of Education. The school system has been controlled pretty much since its inception. The economics of slavery had been laid for over 100 years, at least in the United States. Currently, the public is locking down. I've been on this this um, this network for I, th- I would say over three years. I'm not counting them, and I'm gonna tell you, I've been stepping on toes for the whole time, and I knew that you know stuff was gonna change. Now you can't get an EIN without giving them a social security number. On the IRS website Or with the IRS period I got trustees hitting me up Daily almost Saying that they calling to get You know EINs To the Philadelphia campus And they're being met with resistance They're locking it down They're trying to make sure that you know what you're talking about If you're actually trying to do that All this 12 step dance to go private This stuff is, is, is done It's done son I want y'all to know what you're up against This is not a game. This stuff has been set up for over 100 years. Congress did an investigation. Congress did an investigation 
of the control of these people's foundation in 1913, it came back that they were controlling the education and social services of the nation. How do I know this? Because I study these wealthy people. Unknowingly, thinking that these are the wealthiest people that ever existed. Now realizing that they control the history anyways. My ancestors were the wealthiest that ever existed. And now you understand why you're called human resource. Because your labor is absolutely needed in these industries. And the educational system was set up to feed these industries. And to, to feed other ancillary or secondary markets and industries that support those industries. If these, if these foundations are operating outside of legislative law, what law are they using? What law are they using? It ain't statutory law. What law, what law were you taught in school? Were you taught law in school? Nah. Were you taught finance in school? Nah. Any you attorneys, if it happens to be an attorney listening to this, what law were they using? How are they operating outside of legislative control? How do you operate outside of legislative control, man? The public is locking down. I'm telling you. They told you what the social security number for. They, they let you know. I, I was just ready for you. Email me, admin at welcome to the foundation if you want a copy of that. I'll email it to you. Y'all know I love sending y'all stuff. Want y'all to read it and be amazed, and then check out the citations and do your research and see what's been going on. I think it's amazing. I think it's absolutely amazing that this isn't being recognized. I think you know a lot of people are drinking fluorinated water, and their pineal gland is is, is calcified, and they ain't. They ain't you know what I'm saying? With this public school system where it says that they went against natural law and principles. Putting all, all your, uh, your faith in, in, a, in a fiat currency. In 1933, there was a gold confiscation act, man. They, they set this up. Because the government wanted to manipulate the purchasing power of the dollar. So they had to remove gold and silver as the backing from the dollar. And this is what set inflation in motion. How do I know this? Because I study, man. It was illegal to privately own gold and silver up until 1985. Did y'all know that? In 1984, the IRS proposed legislation that numismatic coins would not be confiscated. My bad. In 1985, they created Congress enacted the American Gold and Silver Eagle program, which is the only um, government program that is not funded by taxpayers. Why they do that? And in those, uh, in the enactment of the American 
uh, Eagle Gold and Silver Program. You can look it up. They designated these coins as numismatic. Ooh, crazy, huh? Correlation. And then these cats be like numismatic coins, and they be selling numismatic coins. And I be seeing all these cats on you. As soon as you get in gold, they be talking about them. And you hear these cats trying to sell you, oh, here's an ounce of gold, but it's from the Roman times, and it's worth $33,000. That's not numismatic. Congress is not designated as new. The only thing designated as numismatic by Congress, those who regulate this whole commercial system, is the American Eagle gold and silver coins. And all these, all these coin dealers, all these gurus out here telling you, oh, this is numismatic, this is numismatic. And we don't know no difference. But when your stuff get confiscated, if they ever do a confiscation again, which they might, holla at your guala. They had gold and silver, which is real money. And they started noticing that people were putting gold and silver on deposits. And they were exchanging the certificates deposit. So they just were exchanging certificates. They started fractionalizing the gold and silver. And they started making money off interest, off of deposits that weren't theirs. Bankers started running the world. Then they flipped. And they started issuing other certificates. State banks, different banks started issuing their own certificates. The Federal Reserve started issuing certificates. There was all these certificates out there. I think gold was $20 an ounce. They confiscated gold as soon as they was done with the confiscation. They immediately revalued gold at $35. Yo, man, how would you feel? If I gave you $20 for something and then immediately turned around and sold it right before your eyes for $35, but you had no more to sell, so you couldn't capitalize on it. Man, I'm heated. Man, I'm, man, I'm heated right now. I'm heated right now. Created all these, created Rocky University, uh, China Medical Board, uh, China Medical College. Rutgers University, Spelman University. Spelman was Rockefeller's best friend, business partner, and pastor. Historically black college. Um, Morehouse. No, I'm sorry. Spelman was his wife's maiden name. My bad. I got that mixed up. Morehouse was his business partner and uh, pastor and, and friend's name. You know you cold when you start naming shit after your people. Like you know what I'm gonna name. You know what I'm gonna name a whole college after you, nigga. We gonna have all the Negroes go to your college. <laughs> Why would they wanna? I'm sure you don't wanna. They laughing at us, man. They laughing at us. I've been all over the world. I'm gonna tell y'all, man. I used to do international um, entertainment, man. I used to do music, man. I'm telling you. I've been all over the world, and I'm telling you, they laughing at us. They laughing at us. They laughing at us. Coming out of them schools thinking we know something. 
out here hollering, hollering, selfies, all this stuff, man. They laughing at us. They ain't got no trust. They ain't got no business. You ain't got no private family foundation. They showed you what he was doing. Even even the, uh, the commission that Congress implemented said that these men are operating these structures outside of statutory entanglements. I feel like this is one of them shows that you're going to have to rewind, take notes, rewind, take notes, because I prepped my ass off for this show. Cause I got I got a lot of I got a lot from y'all from part one y'all y'all like that huh y'all like this one but this one I hope, I hope it made you mad and I hope it made you mad and I hope you're the type of person who gets mad you do something about it so you'll never be you'll never feel like that in the same way for the same reason again I hope I hope that's what you do truly because this ain't no game man we walking around oblivious to what's going on. La la la. We over here. La la la. It's crazy. It's the war. The world's going on. Economic slave, barely making it by every day. Barely can pay for our rent. Barely can pay for our food. Barely. That is engineered, homie. And you go get in an argument with your girl, and she leaves you because you can't get the paper. But you understand, you don't understand that that's an engineered situation, family. Because we putting our trust in the state. And Uncle Sam. Like they're going to take care of me and stuff. I'm going to vote for these Democrats. I'm going to vote for these pub- Republicans. Left wing, right wing. I don't give a damn. Two wings, same bird, fam. That's what you do. This eagle. This, this, this freedom bird. Compact. That you're not party to. Supreme Court told you that those of African descent were never meant to be part of the United States. Your civil rights, boom, 14th Amendment, Buddha shot. Now you're a certain class of citizen. Don't understand that. I don't care. I don't understand what that means. I don't care what that means, fam. They don't mean no they ain't making me no money, man. They ain't making me no money, G. They ain't making me no money, dog. They ain't making me no man, look, fam. If if I were you, I would be breaking my neck to free myself and unfetter myself from this corrupt, weird, evil genius, backwards, non natural law following beast of the system. To become, to become independent, to start doing business with my people and my neighbors who think like me and begin to pull and extract myself away from this weirdness. It's not my culture. It's not my culture. This is not your culture. Is it your culture? It's not my culture. I recognize now that this is not my culture. I recognize now that I had a lot of conflicts psychologically, emotionally, mentally, because I was assimilating a certain culture that is not mine, a certain vernacular, behavior, etc., that did not belong to me nor my ancestors, which is why I was coming into conflict with the things that I wanted in my life versus the things that were happening. I had a double mind. 
We walk around every day convinced that we are dope. We walk around every day convinced that our crap don't stink. Can't nobody tell us nothing. Taking selfies, doing this dance. You need to be ashamed of yourself. If all of your skeletons were suddenly thrust bare, most of us would cry, react with some sort of violence, or deny like a child. All of those are children and childlike behaviors, in my opinion. But we walk around here unaccountable, uh, irresponsible, oblivious, blah, 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 like it's all good, family. Oh, they're doing it, so, so. It's hard dealing with people these days. It's hard being super accountable and really looking at myself and being able to admit, yeah, man, I messed that up. That was a mistake. I shouldn't have said that. Oops. I'm human. I make mistakes, fam. But when I'm talking to a cat, they ain't gonna, you over here deflecting. You over here uh, saying, you know what, man? That's what they did to us 400 years. Nigga, whatever, fam. I ain't trying to hear none of that. I got people misconfused mis- 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 this shit. Like, my guys is out here not understanding that this Patriot stuff and this other stuff and this freedom movement, not all of it mixes. You gotta understand, man. What was three-fifths of a man? What did that actually mean? Mind, body, spirit? That's three, right? What don't you have? Uh, nationality and religion. That's why you're three-fifths of a man, because you worshiping God that ain't yours. That ain't your culture, son. That ain't your culture, son. They show you when you open it, and they show you what Jesus looked like. They show you that ain't you. Still, oh, Jesus. I don't care. I'll be controversial, son. I ain't tripping on that. There ain't none of y'all, nothing y'all can do to me, man. And I'm out here trying to help y'all. I'm out here trying to help you. You questioning me like I'm one of them cats. All right, it's cool. It's cool. But in real speak, when you ask for my help, I'm not going to be able to help you. It's those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. And I, I broke down this whole educational system. Ah, like it was nothing, man. Look, look, give me an hour and I'll smack you with some of the illest stuff. Man, your eyes are glazed over. You're you done. Your brain is cooked. You need two, three days to let the stuff sink in. I went all the way in. I went all the way in. I went all the way in. I had handlers. I had multiple phones. I had cars picking me up. I had people who would do my dry cleaning. I didn't even book my own flights or my hotels. Like, fam, I went all the way in and came all the way out. And I'm telling you what's good. I will not be a tool for the enslavement of my own people. Discouraged because most of my people don't want to hear me, man. Most of my people want to talk about the game and shit. All praise is due to the creator and ancestors. You know what I'm saying? I want to say peace to my big brother Yusuf L. You know what I'm saying? I want to say peace to everyone who who ran through this whole show. This is very significant, man. 
I don't know what the stars is looking like today or this week or whatever, but something's happening right now, man. Pay attention. I'm trying to bring it to y'all, man. I'm trying to bring it to y'all. This is all love, 100%. Selfless love, man. 100%. But I'm going to holler at y'all. Very few hit me up for trustee training, and even fewer than that after they get trained hit me up to do business with me. Breaks my heart, baby. It's all good, though. I'm just trying to change the color, man. I don't know. Should I go to the phone lines? I don't know about the phone lines, man. Feeling kind of heated. <clears throat> uh, oh, look at Yeah. What y'all think? What y'all think? Anybody? Anybody got something to say? You know, back and forth. Nine two five seventeen twenty one. Peace. What's your name? Where you calling from? Peace. 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 This is Brian, man. What up, man? What's up with you, bro? Where you been at, man? Incognito, my Negro. <laughs> hey, man. I've been having issues with your phone, bro. I don't know why, because I'll be on some of your calls, and then next thing you know, it's weird. As soon as I try to, like, get to the point where it's about to talk, next you know, boop, I'm, like, out. And then it's like, you know how that works. Once once I'm gone, I'm gone. So once you know, once you get past that point, no return. But uh, yeah, man, I just come show my support and you know, woo, <laughs> like Jesus. <laughs> you went, uh, you was telling the truth, man. And I mean, you know, I didn't do all that research, but I knew a lot of that stuff. And then the stuff you were saying, I was like, yep, I've, I've seen some of that information. But like I said, for people who don't understand, it's like you said, it's always been that game of people want to control stuff because, you know, if you can't create it, then you're going to want to control it. So, and these people spend the time to learn the rules of the trade, and we ain't willing to do it. And it's kind of weird, you know, like, you know, and, I, I, and I'm not, you know, hating on nobody or nothing. But I'm, you know, I'm no different than anybody else. It's a lot to absorb, and I'll be like, damn, am I getting it correct? And, and but I just, you got to keep it moving, you know, got to keep going, because like you said, you don't want to get trapped up in here when people dictating your life for you. Because you are in it, but you can learn how to learn how to play like the big boys and then do your dance, like you like to say, do your dance, so. I mean, I ain't got nothing else to say, but uh, I appreciate that you doing that, you know, telling the truth, you know, and, you know, keep doing what you're doing, bro. Don't worry about anybody that out here, you know, only but the people you're going to deal with is the people going to deal with you. It's going to be the ones that really need to be with, you know, really down with you because all these other cats, you know, they get the information, they dip, that's fine, you know. <clears throat> no, 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 like no, everybody. I, I, I'm I'm not saying it like that, like, oh, 
you know, I teach these people that want to do business. No, no, I'm not That's not, say, that's I what I'm know, saying I'm is, like, like I feel like they don't understand the situation at hand. Because I feel like if they did, they'd turn around and be like, all right, so, man, let's do this business, man. We got to get together, man. Damn, it's going, they're crazy out here. That's what I'm saying. I feel like the, the, the lack of knowledge of what current situation we are in is beyond them. And most people are jumping in to, you know, quote, trust or whatever, for, in my opinion, um, singular reasons, like for just for themselves and not for uh, plural reasons, such as their family. I don't care. You know, hey, I'm not really tripping on cash doing business with me. I'm just saying, I feel like if you knew the deal and what was going on and how this system is structured and how this education system got you tore up and all this other stuff, you would turn around and be like, oh, well, let's do some business then. You know what I mean? That's what I did. That's why I'm on high frequency, just so y'all know. I called in Houston if I ain't asking for nothing. Somebody had five Gs and I said, let's help our people. And I got called back. And that, the rest is history. You know what I'm saying? That's how I got on high frequency. Straight up. So it's like, once I realized it was good, I was trying to link up. Like, man, we need to sync up. That's why I used to be like, sync up. Because, man, once you see what's good, you do something or you try to do something. And that's how I know people can't really see what's up. That's why I'd be like, you know, they cats turn around, don't even do business with me. They go out, you know, go and, and reintegrate back into the, you know, the whole weird system that ain't for them, man. It's just, it's sad, the lack of knowledge. That's all. Not that they, like, I don't give a damn. Like, you ain't trying to do business with me, good. I don't want to do business with you. I ain't trying to be, be around people. I ain't trying to be around me because that's a waste of time. What I'm saying is, I feel like it's a lack of realization. Yeah, we see something wrong and we know we need to do something, but the old implications, and they said it. Like Rockefeller, I can't remember who it was, but they was like, we're going to make the, the, the moats between those who know and those who don't know so wide that even the smartest among them will never be able to know what the, what the average among us knows. This has all been, this has all been orchestrated, man. It's just, we, we don't understand. We can't even fathom that, that, that right there. And that's the main thing I'm trying to bring to the forefront. It's like, yo, they've been controlling this educational system since the jump, man. They they created the shit, man. Who? The rich elite. For what? For the benefit of their families. Organized how? Yeah. Through trust and private foundations. <laughs> oh. That's why the foundation is trust. Correct. Well, maybe I should get in trustee training. I don't know, fam. Maybe you should probably go fishing or go watch the game. Hey man, nah, bro, bro, bro. <laughs> nah, I'm just, I look, look, man. You're, you, I got you, man. But what I, what I meant by that is kind of what you were saying is that, you know, it, I'll put it from somebody who, um, um, you know, been doing my diligence to study this and do this stuff. At one point, you know, it is like, whoa, you know, I already knew a lot of stuff was going on, but then when you go into it, and then the thing is, like, I guess you just be like, dang, like really this is like how they operate and it makes sense because people when you think about it, what's the biggest thing that people be talking about? Oh, I get married and I get a tax break or, you know, I get kids, I get a tax break and I'm like, you don't realize you're talking like a corporation, you know, but you don't, but you think oh, you know, you don't see it, you know, that you are operating like a business but you ain't doing, you ain't operating in the right way. You're operating with somebody else's um, documents or whatever you want to call it. Somebody else's um, 
I guess you say somebody else's vehicle. You 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 borrow somebody else's vehicle when you go make your own. You know, and it and then you gotta put the metal to the pedal. And like I and I, I put it like me, I need to utilize um the people that that I know who you know, who know this stuff and stuff a little bit more because I've been trying to like you know, and I guess what it is is like people, you know, I wanna make sure I get it correct. But it's like if you got somebody there who already do it, you might as well just ask them and stop worrying about it. You know. But on on that note, I'm just saying people get fear and they get fear because they're like, damn, I never heard of this stuff. I've never seen this stuff. And it kind of just gets easier to go back. But the thing is, you got to keep on moving because, you know, if you look at the pictures uh, on the wall when it comes to the Egyptians, the Egyptians, quote unquote, you look at them, if you see how they their stance, they're always going forward. And that's how it is. You got to constantly go forward. And you get comfortable, then you got to challenge yourself. Because once you get comfortable, you know, you might just die. And I'm not saying you're supposed to make yourself uncomfortable. But, you know, the people who are constantly trying to get information, trying to constantly push themselves, is going to do better. And, like, I'm going through the process of doing that. Because there's a lot of stuff that I'm not good at, but I'm, like, not making no excuses about it. You just got to get over it. Because I heard somebody said that, um, um, that if you have uh, whatever your problem is, like, oh, I can't walk, you know, I'm I'm slow at reading, you know, whatever it is, right, I can't do math that well. If you fight, if you got those disabilities and you fight for them, you're going to keep them. So keep them then. So you got to stop fighting for your problem, you know, the quote-unquote problem. You come to find out the school system might made you think that way because they don't want you thinking that you could do anything in the world. If you understand, you know, all is in the mind, mind is in all, you can do anything. You know, for you know, you just have to, what they say, believe it, then you can achieve it. You know, all the little generic, corny, you know, people think of all oh, these little corny, generic things. No, they be giving you real game to you when you're a kid because they got to give you the information, but they don't have to blatantly tell you it. But you got, you know, they got it all out here. You got to go look for it. You know, nobody's going to hold your hand. And people like you and uh, Yusuf and others out here and y'all put the time in and put in the work. And, you know, and you showing that you don't need to be here. But something in your spirit saying, I'm going I'm to at least help those help themselves. You know, and the others, you can't you can't even worry about it, you know, because when, when you kind of find out, it's like all these secret schools back in the day when you, you know, Egypt, whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, they only you had to. Like, they talk about Socrates and all, you know, Plato, Socrates. These people, like, they, I remember they were like, for you to even get into those secret schools, you got to spend like 30 years of studying before they even allow you to get in there. And then the last time you could get to it is like in your 40s or 50s. And the people that we call the scholars and all oh, these are the smart ones, they barely got in there. So what that says about them. And then now consider, you know, the scholars and stuff of, you know, Socrates and all them, they literally barely got in. So that shows you that they wasn't even on the information. And, you know, the people who had it was like, look, you, you, you know, you don't even know what you're doing. You got to go study some more. And so it's only going to be select a few. Because only but select few is going to really be one to do what it needs to be done. You know, it's, it's not it's not an easy task. You know, it, it, you might feel like you, you know, people feel insecure, but you got to get over it if you think in the long term. Like, I don't think a lot of the moves I've been doing is has not been for me. And a lot of people probably wouldn't have done them 
And sometimes I'm kind of wondering, did I do the right move? Because it's looking kind of, you know, like, damn, am I in the right boat right now? You know, I thought I'd be in a better position right now. But my whole goal was always to think of my family and when I have kids, you know. I never even once thought about myself. And that's kind of weird when you hear when I hear you talk about people like, that's the first thing they're trying to do. You know, I was willing to ruin everything that came to me. It was it's kind of weird to say. Like, I was willing to, you know, quote, unquote, ruin a straw man, whatever. Because I was like, yeah, who cares? If I can help this, you know, and try to build something. So, you know, that's it. And I'm just saying, appreciate what you do and keep doing it and keep, you know, putting out that good, putting out this good information. Because there's somebody out there who's listening and they really, you're sparking them, you know, and you're sparking those who are willing to do the work. Yeah, you're going to get a lot of these people who ain't, but, you know, don't let that discourage you or I know I'm not saying it is, but I'm just saying in general, there's somebody out there. You might go to ten people, but you get that one that out here, and he like, all right, I'm ready, I'm willing to learn and do whatever. And then you, you might go twenty more people, and then you get two. You know, might go to forty, then you get one more. You know, and you just keep on getting those, and you can link up with those and start building up, and then everybody else is gonna have to do what they gotta do. So. I'm getting off the soapbox, I guess. <laughs> yeah, man, I appreciate that, man. I really do. Uh, I appreciate I think you, I'm about bro. to end the show, man. I'm, so I'm about to rock. I'm, I'm about to wrap it up. All right, I'm, I'm, damn. I feel like I took everybody's time, bro. Somebody else might want to. Nah, I took everybody's time, man. I rocked I rock for a long time. This is one of the longest shows I've done. But I mean, that kind hey, of events was a lot. You know, a lot happened this week. Hey, man. And I was really like, dang, man. Because usually I listen to Corn Events. I'm like, he'd be done. But like you said, you needed to get it out, get was in your soul, was telling you. And it's up to people to absorb that information. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I trust Appreciate you. It, I trust it's all good, man. Thanks for calling in, man. I'll talk to you soon, man. Have a great one. All right. Peace. All right, man. Peace to the guys. All right, y'all. I appreciate it, man. Y'all have a great week. Uh, you know, uh, if y'all want this document, it's called the Untold History of Modern U.S. Education. Uh, the Founding Fathers. Y'all can email me. I got it off of. Uh, I got it off of a website, but I used to have a PDF of it, but I can't find it. And I, I read it and I looked it over. And it's the same thing. It's just put. I'll I throw it into a PDF for y'all. Is basically what I'm saying. So you know, just email me. Admin at welcome to the foundation dot com and I'll get it over to you. You can check it out for yourself, man. Do your own research. Um in the meantime, admin at welcome to the foundation dot com if you want to, you know, get a consultation, you know, get your company popping. Um doing business with the individuals is not the best move. Um and then secondarily, doing business only with the individual is really not the best the best move. So if you are an employee, federal employee, so on and so forth, that's fine, man. Start your own business on the side, man. Email me at admin at welcome to the foundation.com. I can, excuse me, um, I can definitely help you and assist you in doing that properly, but I'm not an attorney, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not legal advice, tax advice, master. I'm just a humble servant, private consultant, corporate structure, wealth management. That's my dance. So, uh, yeah. Other than that, 
Um, like I said before, haven't spoke to Yusuf. Trusty training is still um, popping. Y'all can email me admin at welcome to the foundation.com. Tell you though, the it has the donation has risen significantly, so it's definitely prohibitive. And that was the you know the overall um, compromise that was that we made um, for, in order for this to continue. So it is what it is. Partner with the people if you ain't got it, and y'all go in on it. Uh, it's very important. Um, I be talking to people. They be saying they be doing their training for four weeks. Or, Five weeks and stuff We don't do it like that And uh, you know I want to say Big up to Yusufel For you know Hollering at me And talking to me about that And you know Let me know what it is I mean there was other people That was hollering at me But you know Yusufel Anyways Beyond that Anyone Who got an invoice But didn't You know Holler at it Man y'all got What is that I got until Friday I'm going to be emailing y'all Letting y'all know Otherwise I mean They're going to cancel it Or amend it For the new donation So I'm just putting y'all on notice, man. But in the meantime, man, I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. I do a lot of work for y'all. But at the same time, I know all this prep and work, you know, it helps me not only maybe solidify information. Sometimes I learn new information. But, you know, it is a pleasure serving y'all, man, because that's really what I'm about, serving. I mean, I'm not a salesman. I offer, you accept, that's what's up. If not, I don't care, man. I move around. But in the meantime, man, I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. Y'all have a great week. Make sure you um, sign up for the email list on welcometothefoundation.com. Email me if you have anything. Admin at welcometothefoundation.com. And, um, yeah, man, I'll catch y'all next week. Y'all enjoy yourself. Have a great week. And things you're thankful for every night. Don't worry about the boo-hoo, chugga-chugga-choo-hoo. Peace to God. We're going to stand all the way live. High Frequency Radio.